welcome back to MMA BJJ. Or wait a minute. Let's redo it, Nick. Here we go. Life. Life. <laughs> MMA and BJJ. BJJ. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, as we rebrand the show. Uh, your host, DJ San Marco, along with the incomparable, the one, the only, Dr. Will Wu of Cal State Long Beach. What's up, brother? You can always tell when Funkarama is playing, even if I can't hear it, because you see the facial expression on DJ's face change from seriously annoyed to all is going to be good because Funkarama is playing. And because and it's we the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of Conor McGregor Life BBJJ MMA rebranded show. <laughs> Oh, did I jack it up? Did I mess it up? Did I mess oh it up? Oh, my God. Yes, Son you did. Son of a... Will, we could have predicted that you had screwed up, but let's before we spend too much time on Will, let's head over to my brother, the heavy metal bass player who studied sociology. Now he learned how to take care of muckas in the care nursing home. Give it up. And also, he volunteered tonight. He's going to tell us about that. So give it up for Mr. Nick Cazono. How are you, my friend? What's up? I volunteer every Tuesday at Talk to a us, man. thrift shop that that sort of takes all of their profits and proceeds and they sort of invest it or they put it into a um, no-kill animal shelter. Can I get an amen? You um, can get a hell yeah. We have three pet lovers cool. uh, on this show. Will, can you kind of tell Nick how much you admire him for doing this? Dude, I think that is ridiculously awesome. I'm obviously I'm a pet lover myself, animal lover. Um, but I don't go as far as Nick does. So obviously Nick has a lot more love, um, a lot more motivation and go get it than I do in that realm. And I greatly admire and respect that Nick. And I, I know very Sorry, I'm going to be very honest. It was try to get into nursing school, and then I got into nursing school, and then I was like, you know what? I'm still going to hang out. Oh, well, we're going to have to f- oh, we're, oh, we're was, gonna fire was, you from the show. It was <laughs> nursing be, school. I'm going to be very transparent about this. I'm oh, not gonna try you're transparent, all right. You just got yourself off the show, Holmes. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was going to say it was for a girl, but then he said it was for his career. Oh. For Megan Anderson, I think he would cut off a finger, just like the Yakuza would do in Japan, the Yakuza. Maybe my pinky finger or something. Yes, absolutely. The tip of it. That's cool stuff, Nick. But no, I enjoy it. I think how, much cool. do, how much are they able to generate and how many shelters it's just, are they it, able it, to help? They, well, they have, it's basically the main shelter, and they have like their thrift shop that kind of um, gives, you know, there's a source of income, or not income, but a source of um, funding for the non-kill shelters through the thrift shop and i think they have other avenues as well they 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 put on events like sort of that to raise money for what they do and they probably have some other things too but the thrift shop is just one of the things that they do to try to all right well i i for one am, am reasonably proud of you i would say uh, Thank you. as for me you you guys were probably going to say how radiant i look uh, this evening and the reason for that of course obviously is oh, the one and only yeah. DJ Skin Care Formula, which uh, you can get if you just email me, uh, email me at mma.bjj.nlife at gmail.com. Uh- <laughs> He's not joking, folks. He is not joking. 
It says DJ Legit. on the container. It's specially designed. And it's my and formula. Bef- yeah, before before every show, we see it. He apl- see him applying it to, I don't know, his fair skin. Uh, that's as far as I will I'm, go. I'm brown on the inside. Uh, organic moly. organic sunflower oil, organic mango butter, organic beeswax, and essential oils. Thanks to DoTerra on guard. Anyway. Uh, getting back to life, MMA, and BJJ, uh, man, dudes, uh, all right, so, yeah, we are trying to steer the show more towards life episodes, I don't want to spend my life like I did for, oh man, six, seven years studying MMA to the exclusion of NBA basketball, to the exclusion of college basketball and college football, to the exclusion of the NFL, all of these things I loved before... I was drugged, gagged, bound, and stuffed into the back of a Ford Galaxy uh, driven by Gator McCluskey. None of you are going to know who he is. Uh, and into the MMA universe. And finally, now I've, I've come back and I'm embracing sports and uh, reality TV uh, and documentaries and American reality history TV. and many other things. So. I like how you say reality TV like before everything else. We did I know. TV. Well, that... TV was like on top of that. Like, it, yeah, I, I, don't I had a lot of respect for DJ until I found out that he was an avid reality TV show person. Yes. Or maybe not avid, but yeah. had, it, had an interest in it. Well, um, the real world, you know, some of them, the housewives, I'm kind of out on. And that the reason I'm trying to get on people like I would like to have like Kate Casey on or Jess Rothschild or Jamie Stein or one of these people is to find out. What the fascination is with shows where there really is no modicum of reality to it anymore. It's all staged by producers and it's not cool like the real world where you just throw seven people in an apartment and see what happens. Oh, the woman of the house, the strongest person in the home. In the house. Great. Can I get an amen, Katya? Everybody wants to say hello, baby. Where is she? Kati? She's like, hold on. I fixed my hair. I don't know what she's doing, but <laughs> anyway, uh, she'll probably come back. Anyway, so yeah, um, the Housewives, I think uh, we used to watch uh, Orange County, uh, all oh, of Will's gosh. neighbors. Um, we watched uh, New York. I watched New Jersey. I watched some Atlanta. Was crazy, from what I understand. New Jersey yeah. was pretty wild, man. Teresa's pretty compelling and now i've really tailed off to where i'm not watching any of the housewives they just launched potomac i think launched last year maybe and then this well, year they launched salt they lake change every season right so no and um like, right? the lineup changes every season usually some people don't want to do it anymore and then they bring in new people some then... there, there's some turnover but 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 that's what i mean like it was orga- somewhat organic, especially like shows like Below Deck, where you stick a crew on a yacht. You have kinda, my mom two, likes that show. I kinda, yeah, I kind of like it. Well, she, let me let me just let me just let me just let me just explain it. Let me just explain it for real quick. You have a captain, you have a chef, you have three stewardesses, and everyone's hot and white, and three deckhands. No, they I'm have some. Lucky. They have a few black people on there. Like um, like five percent. Oh yeah, maybe maybe if we're maybe. lucky. Maybe, but they're good looking. Um, 
No, I mean, it's been interesting because the housewives have made sure to bring him on uh, I'm that, about that, to, to, to more diversify those franchises because yeah. New York was totally oh, white. Like so many who's in the house. Hey, there she is. Hey. hey. And here's my miniature polar bear. There's Julia. <laughs> Do you guys want to have a polar bear on the show? Julia, comes, come Definitely. closer. Julia Gulia. There she is. Hey, babe. <laughs> My name's going to be Julian. All right, we're going to be professional here. Katya, get out. No, I'm just kidding. Love you. Thank you, babe. Um, So anyway, just on Below Deck, you had, uh, you know, whatever there is, like, say, nine people on there. And it's organic. There's a lot of pressure you're putting on, uh, you know, on a super yacht. But with the housewives, a lot of these people don't even know each other. Like, it's totally pre-programmed. And yeah, then they'll be like, hey, if you're not more interesting, you're not going to get camera time. And don't think that all these housewives don't have a timer as to how long they're on camera for that one hour episode, which isn't even an hour with commercials. So it's very phony to me, whereas it's very organic, something like the real world, below deck, uh, you know, Survivor, you know, these other things. So. Me. All right, Will's yawning as I talk about reality. TV. No, I'm Let's not. Let's get to I'm MMA. Not, no, no, no. To be more accurate, I wasn't yawning. I was dying on the Di- inside. Oh, well, second sorry. by second. <laughs> He's a plant that hasn't received oh water in over forty-five gosh. days. It's such a waste of time. Those reality shows. It is. Shows. It is. I'm not going to argue that point. I'm There's not so going to argue that point. Better things in life that you could do than watch those shows. Like get a really, really good booger from your nose. That would be much better than watching those shows. You could fertilize the weeds in your yard so that they grow oh bigger. I mean, there's a lot of things gosh. you could do. It's so. just the slow death of us as a society. I, I don't disagree with you. And and really, to be honest with you, the reason why I want to have on one of these reality TV experts is to ask why they find it compelling because I no longer do with regard to shows like Vanderpump Rules or something like that, where it's it's all set up and it's all it's all situational and producers are prodding and pushing and and so that's what I, I want to know is what is it about that that we like? like a and, social experiment, man. Yeah, I, I really want to like find out. I, because and, and I want to tell you guys something else. Um, and, and I want to say this about reality TV and that's why I want to have on one of these stars is this. The high, do you know what the highest rated show on Bravo is, which is the un, you know, the unquestioned king of reality TV? What do you think is the highest rated show? Is that is real Top high? Chef. Oh, Top Chef is good, man. Okay, tell, that's Top not Chef. on Bravo. Yeah, um, it is. It's not yeah, on Bravo. Uh, Top yeah, Chef. Top Chef is on Bravo. It is. Oh, okay. I was thinking of Iron Chef. I, yeah, you're right. TV you're right. Shows. You're right. Yeah, they've been at the. They've been. They've been uh, up there for a, quite a long time. Pat they actually Martin. have experts in a field that requires some type of skill. Shout out Dave Chang, and Chris yeah, Ying. What's Chang. up, Dave? Yeah, What's baby. Up, my homie, Tom Clickio. Love you, man. All right, Clicchio. the late Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yeah, man. Emerald Lagazzi. Oh my God, I love Emerald Tony Bourdain. Gazzi. Let's not. Dave Marcus is basically. Anderson. Dave is the Korean Anthony Bourdain. Thomas Keller. That's how I'm uh, <laughs> uh, French Laundry like, up in NoCal. Right? You so, think about something yeah. like that, and there, that, Bill, that show Bill is Kelly. putting putting together the greats in the field that are still it's alive. It's true. They, and all, putting, a lot of the contestants are protégés of those greats, which is cool. And then, then yeah. you have like a no-name who like just usually wins the show because they're just like an unknown 
like talent that no one that's knew about. it's real drama and you guys are giving an example of what i'm talking about of great great reality tv but let me get to my question that i want to ask you uh, both of you guys relative to reality television what is the highest rated show on bravo nick go uh real housewives of orange county will go I don't. Other than Take I don't guess. even know what's on there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what Nick said. Okay, R H O C. Okay, the the highest rated reality show on Bravo is Below Deck. Do you know oh, okay. what? Do you know what the least talked about show on of all the reality podcasts is? Below Deck. Below Deck. Why is that? That's what I want to ask these guys. So now you know why I want to have on a Kate Casey or a Jess Rothschilds or a Mandy Slutsker or a Jamie Stein I'll, is I'll to ask this. that question because I will... none of those – no, just let me finish. Okay, none of these guys talk about this show, and it's the highest-rated show on Bravo. It's the most compelling because it's the most real. I've been on a military deployment. I know what it's like to live in very, very close quarters – working a lot of hours on very little sleep and and how your interactions are with people it's very much like that and yet more people tune into that and yet no one wants to talk about it so i want to know why that is well you're i think you're disconnecting what these people are like the the people that review these shows analysts talk about these analysts a lot of times sometimes the analysts aren't really into what the general audience is like for example a movie that's an Academy Award winning movie and you know, wins all these awards, right? And it sells, I don't know, it doesn't really do that great in the box office. And you have some movie that, like a Michael Bay movie or something stupid like that, just, you know, kills in the box office. Like sometimes the consumer doesn't really, consumers' needs don't really meet the, the needs of, or the same criteria and, as the reviewers. And Nick will, Nick will be familiar with this. You have an all-time favorite artist who's super popular, right? That sells a ton of albums, sells out yeah. concerts and stuff. And then you hear them talk about who their favorite artists are, and you're like, "Who are who? these people?" And then you go look, you go look them up, and you play their music. And you're like, "I don't get it." <laughs> hey, right? can I can like, I do? I don't get it. Can I do Al Pacino and Heat real quick? Quick when he goes, "Who who who? What are you fucking owl?" <laughs> <laughs> i love al pacino and heat will oh, why do you think it, why first of all nick uh looks like a japanese version of the unabomber um <laughs> will, no he's a ninja he's a ted he's the, a ted, ninja. the japanese ted kaczynski yeah baby why do you think smart. <laughs> he was he was like a graduate of like some great university like a genius in math he, he was super smart in math um, Will, why do you think that that is that that though Below Deck is the highest rated show that the analysts don't enjoy talking about it, don't review it? Maybe it's a missed opportunity on their part, or maybe there's background information like maybe the producers of that show pissed a bunch of people off. So they're like, screw you. We're not going to talk about your show. Well, let's take it at face value. Let's just say for th there. I mean. Okay, what, here's what I know empirically without question. Okay. They're right. not compelled by that show for some reason, though that is the realist along with, like, say, a Top Chef or a Survivor or one of these shows where, I mean, you're throwing people into a situation and seeing what happens. That's how the real world started. 
take seven people, put them in a loft in yeah. New York City from all these different backgrounds and I genders, like and 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 uh, uh, see what happens. And see what happens. Stuff gets weird. This stuff so, gets real. Stuff the gets real. real. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> Jamie Stein, who is Jamie Stein, who is a uh, you know a a logger. They used to call him for the real world, as we talked about on a prior episode where he would review the episodes and write summaries. He would review footage and write summaries so they could take, take, take a sh and make a show of it. But anyway, so what I'm saying, uh, will, if we take it at face value and we say that, um, for some reason they don't want to talk about it. So empirically, we know they want to talk about something that's more staged and more fake then they do something that's actually occurring between people situationally. I will, I will, I will answer. I will give my. Two you cents. will step on Will. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, go ahead, Will. I don't know. No, I, I got a lot of footprints all over Nick. So go ahead, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> just give me this one, just yeah. one footprint. Just one, just one step. <laughs> Hopefully, you're wearing your Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my sorry, the LeBron is, shoes. Go ahead. So I don't. I, I've seen a couple episodes of um, Below Deck, and I feel that maybe some of the personalities on that show aren't really sort of big personalities compared to these, you know, New York Housewives or all these other shows. There's like these, you know, these big personalities, these these people that kind of have their own shows after, you know, their main show and stuff like that. And I feel is like, it a glam factor that that I these so. are I like socialites, a, and then these are like people that yeah, are hourly class, wage workers, people, kind of work. Yeah, yeah. So they don't, you know. I think uh, collectively the show does well, but like individually, if one of those people from Below Deck can they do their maybe maybe the captain could do his own show. But I don't know. I don't think the I don't think there's big personalities within that show, regardless of how well it does for them to for these people but, to talk but, about. But but can we say regardless when the way that we collect data on what shows we're going to renew season after season, and this is the highest rated show. Which means more viewers, more advertising revenue. So there's no question that it's quote the best show in terms of them making money, right? Subjectively, yeah. Or I mean, objectively, it is. But subjectively, it seems like analysts don't want to talk about it because of what you said, the personalities. Yeah, I think subjectively they don't, they can't relate to many of these people. Don't want to below, but they they don't want to. Or don't they want can't. to. Yeah, well, that's how. However, you want to interpret that. Well, if you were so, well, if if you were at some point not part of the Hilton family and not super rich, I can see how I won't relate to Sonia Morgan, or uh, to Luann Deliceps or these super no wealthy. These well, these are those are <laughs> original real uh, real housewife of New York City cast okay. members the one who i really do relate to is the one who was doing all that work after hurricane michael and to oh, get bethany, get food right? to puerto rico was bethany bethany did moved had hundreds of thousands of pounds of supplies hundreds of thousands not tens of thousands where she got individuals on twitter saying hey will you go here and pick up this stuff and fly it to puerto rico like That's she's awesome. in, she's incredible. She's an amazing, and she was a girl when she started the show. She was a yoga teacher with this skinny girl cocktail thing that she was working, 
and living in like a one bedroom in New York City, and now she's and like she a multi for like a billion dollars. She's on Shark Tank. Yeah, I don't know she what sold, she sold she it for, sold but she's on Shark Tank. For, yeah, I think a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah. So, so yeah. All right. Before, I think another way. I think just sure. one possibility. Please. If this below deck is not as well financed, so if they're not as well financed, then they're not going to be paying people to analyze and write about it like the other shows probably are. Good These point. are this is what this is what we're talking about here. I'm going to tell you what we're talking about. What we're talking about is people like us that do a show. When we do a show, we decide what we're compelled by. We want to talk about Khabib. We want to talk about Tony. We're going to end up talking about Charles Oliveira. We're going to talk about Connor. So uh, we're going to talk about we're going to you know beat up on people like Jacksons and Mike Winklejohn. You know when they when they uh, put out uh, false news and things like that, right? Thank so, you for not saying that other term. No, I me. won't. I, I hope to never use it again. There's so, two words that I can't say anymore. Is Yeah, ex- or at least in conjunction. Yeah. So, so these guys uh, decide what they're going to talk about. What I'm interested in is what human element makes them say, I want to talk about the housewives at a – 95 to 5 ratio over the highest rated show on Bravo. And these are people that go to Bravo. You know, they have BravoCon. Just like you have Comic-Con, they have BravoCon where you can go meet these guys. Yes. So uh, they call them Bravo Liberties, which are basically a sect of, you know, the Vanderpump's Rules people and the Housewives and, as you said, the top chefs like Padma and these other uh, – and and the Below Deck folks – both uh, the Caribbean one and the one that's over in uh, the European uh, theater. So it's very interesting that that to me, or I want to find out why it is they're not compelled to talk about it, though it's the highest rated show. So that's what I want to find out. That's why I want to get one of these guys on. And I've been unsuccessful thus far. Let me let you know that, listeners of Life MMA and BJJ, I have had Kate Casey say she would come on. But now she doesn't respond to my direct request to schedule. Uh, I haven't had Jess Rothschild say that she would, and I've tried. And Jamie Stein, we chatted a little bit on Messenger, on uh, Twitter messages, but I haven't got him. I'll try Mandy Slutsker. She's another one that I like uh, out of the D.C. area. So um, I want to get somebody, and I'd, they're all very intelligent people, so. Um, you so that's have, maybe maybe you have to aim for. I'm sure there's some other people that have a podcast that talks mm-hmm. about reality TV that isn't really like maybe like as, well, as big of a show as ours. And well, maybe let's, a bigger. well let let let's say this. Up. Let's say this, Nick. Everybody has to understand. Everybody started somewhere, and Absolutely. and the way that you give back is when you say, "I remember when I was start." Well, first of all, I'm not. This is a restart. I mean, I've been podcasting. I'm sure I will bet you any amount that I've been podcasting longer than any of them in general. I started 10 years ago. Here, that said, point. we just restarted our, you know, this show. Absolutely. So we're small. But they, you know, I always remember people that came behind me. You could have any two 20-year-olds could ask me to come on their podcast and I would go on. Yeah, absolutely. So here's my point though. Yeah. Like 
for instance, for the music industry, right? You, you want to get your, like, for example, my band. I wanted to get my band uh, quick, reviewed on this major metal website, right? I hit them up. They go, ah, you know, mm -hmm. you're nobody band. We don't want to mm -hmm. deal with you, right? What you do, like, what I found out would, would work to a successful degree is you would hit up the smaller blogs, the smaller people. I understood your analogy. I, I, yeah. I, there, there's no ambiguity but about what you said. Yeah, word travels. It's yeah. a small sphere, so you get a good review and you know, this guy this guy's local sort of website and then I and will some I other will. people and the, the the people from those big websites read all the little ones and word travels fast. So if you if we have someone on that's from like a smaller podcast that talks in that I will reality T V realm. I will do travel. It. I will do exactly as my Unibom as my friend Nick Cazono <laughs> said. I'm sorry if I thought about Ted Kaczynski. I will do exactly as Nick says. I'm so cold, that... DJ. I have no hair. We Dude, don't, don't no look at me. Don't you see? I've had, uh, I have I like a, have a, a cool hat, hat on. Like I know. I'm cold. I'm <laughs> a hoodie guy, not a hat guy. And I rode. What's up, man? I rode my <laughs> I rode my bicycle uh, home from the studio. Uh, sleeveless basically and i was battling the cold the entire way so anyway let's get down to mma we had a huge card this uh past weekend um you know what i don't remember the number was it 256 <laughs> nick and i were just talking about it yeah so it's funny 250, i never remember the number ufc 256 i know ariel helwani how shout out to ariel he could remember okay so ufc yeah. 256 uh, this weekend was a phenomenal show headlined uh, with a, what a lot of people are calling the fight of the year of Davison Figueredo uh, taking on uh, Brandon Moreno. And it was an amazing fight. I want to start off with Mr. Wu, uh, Dr. Wu. Doctor, he, didn't, he, he didn't go to four years of evil <laughs> medical school to be called Mr. What I say? So, uh, no, I just want to start off with you. Uh, what were your thoughts on this fight? I, I gave you some thoughts of what I thought about in our show notes, but what did what did you think about that? I was blowing up the show text thread during that fight. It was so frigging entertaining and good from the standpoint of those dudes weren't just amateurs, just you know, trying to wallop on each other nonstop, throwing wild punches. Those guys were skilled. <laughs> Those guys were tough, um, and those guys were going at each other for the full five rounds. And I didn't know – I just saw a little bit of Moreno's last fight, so I didn't know a ton about him. But it was like – I compared – I think I said on the thread, I was like, dude, this is the modern-day Rocky Balboa-Apollo Creed fight where you had um, you had the super tough dude that was just taking all kinds – Yeah. Taking all kinds of – punishment but just coming at him and slowly you can kind of see the momentum of the fight change um in my respect for moreno and like i was like dude this dude is awesome like me being a fan of moreno changed over over the course of the fight um it was just really really exciting um there was stand-up stuff there's a little bit of ground stuff too but the amount of punishment that those dudes took um that or that they gave to each other and then not only that when they fought what three weeks ago mm -hmm. yeah correct and they go the full five and it wasn't like you were look at looked at them in the fifth round and you weren't getting your money's worth i mean it was a little slower 
but these dudes still had gas in the tank. So it was just incredible performance by the both of them, but more incredible month considering that they had both won their fights uh, three weeks, four weeks prior, and then gave us that performance. It was ridiculous how good that and entertaining that fight was. It, it was, uh, Nick, and despite uh, um, what what Will said, I mean, there was the conclusion to it was a little bit unclear. We had the, the kick to the groin where they took a point away from Brandon Moreno. Um, oh, from Figueredo. Uh, excuse me, from Figueredo. Uh, but there was there were some very interesting things strategically in that fight that I thought at least from a standpoint of Figueredo, we're very curious. What were your thoughts on what you saw? Like from Figueredo? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he he looked like he thought he was just going to go in there and just like, all right, just toy with his prey. You know, he had a lot of, a lot of confidence, rightfully so, based on his performances, you know, in his past like three or four fights. So, I mean... The confidence was justified, but I don't think he, I don't know if he prepared for Moreno just to still be in there for the whole five rounds. He thought maybe I could, I don't put this guy away in the first, maybe I'll put it away in the second, definitely, you know, maybe the third, like, you know, I'll eventually catch this guy and he's just going to go down and he was catching Moreno, but Moreno was firing back. He was, he was taking those shots and he was, he had some great takedowns of his own. I mean, Moreno used basically his full arsenal of what, what he had, what, we saw what he could really do in that fight, and he really took it to Figueroa. So it was a it was a great fight. But yeah, I don't know. I thought Figueroa. I don't know if he was drinking his own Kool Aid or what, but he definitely had an aura on him. Like, all right, like it's just gonna be like last fight. I'm just gonna like just take this guy out and just just go from there. And I think he, I think um, <clears throat> Moreno calling him out kind of made Figueroa a little bit. I don't. Know, I wouldn't say. I mean, I would say agitate a little bit. So yeah. he just thought like, all right, who's this guy trying to call me out? Like, he's this guy's not on my, on my, not on my level. That's the vibe I got from him. And obviously, he, both. He probably feels now like, all right, this guy's <laughs> on my level. Maybe you know, we're on even ground. I would say so. But yeah, I don't know. I just think maybe he just thought just land some big shots on him, land on him use my power i mean he's the biggest i mean he's he's a hard hitter for the weight class so but he's he's the hardest hitter we've ever seen in the weight class um but moreno is brandon moreno is <laughs> probably the gamest fighter we've ever seen in the weight class these guys put on an incredible foreign uh performance and i think it should be noted that uh davison figueredo was in the hospital with food poisoning in the 24 hours before the fight Oh, wow. Um, And I am in awe of both these guys. So let me start off with that. But I do want to say what, as I usually do, is some analysis on what happened and why it happened. That's that's one of the things that I like to do with MMA podcasts when I when I is to analyze what happened and why it happened. Well, we know what happened. It it ended up going to a majority uh, to a draw. Uh, due to the point, the the and I love that Jason Herzog took that point. I want to see every time a fighter is being taken down and he grabs the fence. I want to see him lose a point. When you have a person that pokes somebody in the eye so bad that they can barely 
open their eye again. I want to see the first time, not two times, not three times, the first time. And Yoel Romero, I mean, I will never forget this. We're all going we're going to talk about Yoel Romero and how much we love him and love watching him fight. Um, but Jacare Souza, when they fought, he he worked extremely hard to get a takedown against the fence. Yoel grabs the fence, stops the takedown. That was the end of the fight right there. I mean, when you work that hard, you get on the bottom of of uh, Jacare Souza, especially we're going back five years ago. You're probably done, right? You're probably I mean, going to get tapped from top position, probably. I, I wouldn't say it's a guaranteed finish, but oh, man. I mean, the likelihood of him winning being on top is greatly increased. And if you're only – if you work that hard, ago. you get one take. You're going to yeah, get one takedown, and this dude grabs the fence. Yeah. That's a point, dude. That's a point. Done. Like we're not even – I'm not even talking. I'm going to raise his hand. I'm going to say one. I'm going to go to all the judges, and that's that. Continue. So anyway, I love Jason Herzog, what he did. But this is what I want to talk about. The thing that really bothered me on Saturday night was we had one guy who was fighting as a mixed martial artist, and we had one guy, another prodigious striker, Brazilian striker, utilizing a one-strike-at-a-time game plan trying to clown his opponent clearly overlooking the guy thinking there's no way this guy's going to last five rounds with me and thinking i'm going to clown him on my hands down i'm going to throw this strike i'm going to throw that strike i'm going to sit there with my hands on meanwhile this guy has a beautiful stance he has his hands up and he's returning countering one two you know or one two or one three hitting Nice body shots. And I'm not going to say that Davidson Figueredo didn't didn't land some really nice body shots. He landed some great one-off shots throughout the entire fight. But he didn't try to put together combinations, fundamental boxing, if that's going to be your game. You threw some great leg kicks, but guess what? If you stop and you're not stepping to the outside to set up that calf kick, well, he wasn't bothered by it anymore. You would have had to land a significant amount of those leg kicks to drop Moreno. And he started to do some work on it, and he just gave up on it. And he was just bound and determined he was going to clown him, and he was going to get him out of there. And guess what? He didn't. And when they fight again, he's not going to do it again. Because what, what Figueredo did do was he would get frustrated when he got countered, and he would explode. He would come with looping shots, and every time he did that, what happened, Will? Body lock? Yeah. Body lock, just like we learned at Gracie Academy, and lift and takedown. Now you're on the bottom working off your back again. And he probably did that three or four times in the fight. Every time Davison tried to explode, he would duck, clinch. He, he had perfect answers for what Figueredo tried to do. It was absolutely brilliant game planning and strategy on the part of Moreno, and I saw no game plan and strategy on the on the part of Figueredo. And it's frustrating because it was like Anderson Redux, it was like Jose Aldo Redux, and it's like you're going down the wrong road, man. You can't stop a takedown. You're not prepared for that. Have you watched the kid fight? 
That kid right, brings but, that kid brings yeah. everything into the cage. Yeah, I mean, he probably thought, hey, if I get taken down just like the Perez fight, like, hey, I got my jiu-jitsu to rely on. Maybe he relied too much on his jiu-jitsu. What jiu-jitsu? To... Just one move, a guillotine? That's it. Got, I'm sure he's got yeah. more than just a key. I'm sure he's got yeah. more than that. Yeah. But, uh, well, guess, you know, you know, the list of fighters who can't tap people off their back in the UFC is a very, very long list. Agreed, agreed. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that could have been the mindset with Davison. Just like, oh, I get taken out. I'm just, I get my shoot to either guys, get up, sweep, or... Guys, so, let me contextualize what's frustrating. Uh, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Nick. No, go We're about to say goodbye to Junior Dos Santos. And if I rewind the clock 10 years, you know what I got? I've got Kane and Junior. One. On the first uh, Fox Sports show, I believe, Fox FS1, okay. card yeah, yeah. ever, Kane versus Junior. Junior knocks out Kane 64 seconds. DJ starts his podcast that year, either 2009 or 2010. So we're, my first podcast was something 10 or 11 years ago, whatever it was. And we, Junior has not evolved almost at all. He has the same boxing coach, Luis Dorea. He does the same stuff. We talked about it earlier. I talked about it with one of you gentlemen. We did. We did. I, yeah, I, I guess it was Nick. I was like, you know, you're there with a, a, a converted kickboxer. Did you ever think about shooting a takedown? Or is it, no, I'm just going to go in there and box with the guy. Okay. Yep. I mean, so I don't want to see another fighter go down that road. A guy who could become a mixed martial artist. You know, the wrestling of Juicier from now to from 10 years ago till now is like a different fighter. He couldn't take anybody down back then. Now, he could, you know, I mean, he could take down guys who had no rest. Now, he's taking down guys that can wrestle. He took down Figueredo. <laughs> you know, I mean, he beat yeah. him. He outpointed mm -hmm. him in three rounds by being able to take him down and just work him on top. So, you know... I just don't want to see another fighter turn into what Anderson Silva eventually became, not how he started, the thrilled us all in the multitude of ways he could win. Jose Aldo, who had this multitude of skills, out-wrestled Mike Thomas Brown, uh, out-wrestled, took down Mark Hominick, blah, 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 turned into a straight boxer. What would have happened if, if Aldo would have done that against Holloway? Holloway would have never expected it because he didn't wrestle against... Frank Edgar, he didn't wrestle in those couple of fights. He didn't wrestle two times against Chad Mendez. Didn't need to, right? Because just doing that one thing worked. But man, what if he would have done that to Max in the first or the second fight? So I just, I, I, I will, I, I, I'm reluctant. I don't want to see Figueredo go down that same road. I, I agree with what you said. I, and when Nick was describing it, he was going. He's throwing punch and he's going for the for the knockout um, through all those rounds. You can kind of see that, and there wasn't an adjustment to think, dude. This guy is taking everything, and he's not losing anything when he's taking my best punches. So then it's like, all right, maybe I need to score a little bit. So there wasn't an adjustment there, but I think Moreno's a, a unique character. It, and it's not a strategy thing. It's just his ability to take a punch. 
extenuates what what that lack of that lack of adjustment, right? Where you have any other fighter, the guy might be out in the first or second round after some of those punches, and we're not having this conversation about not making any adjustments, even though he might have had done that. He might have done that anyways. But I think the oh fact yeah, that, he might have taken no matter what uh, totally. Figueroa might have done. Totally, and so I just think that it's a uh, the fact Moreno exposed that because of his ability his ability to take punches. Um, but I agree with Nick and I, I agree with you, but at the same time, that was the reason why I was jumping up and down saying this thing is super exciting because you got to do that's trying to knock another guy out for five straight rounds. He's trying to do it. And the other guy is just taking it. I just, um, I, 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 you have a guy who's getting, I mean, you hear the platitudes of Daniel Cormier and, and Joe Rogan and people talking about the power, getting so excited. Just look at, at, at Francis Ngannou, so excited about the power. He's just knocking guys in the next week. And then guess what? Uh, uh, Nick's buddy, Stipe Miocic, came in there, took him down. He had nothing. No. And, well, and, and, and I worry, I don't want to see... I mean, you you know, he's going out, he's shopping, he's buying a lot of stuff. He's doing a lot of stuff a champion would do, and that's okay. But don't read those headlines and think, I'm going to go in there and put everybody away. You know, keep, bring your hands up. Land some combinations. You know, work on this guy. Don't st- and, and when you see that he took you down twice by doing what you did, don't do it a third time. You know, like, where's the corner? Oh, you just got to land this, and then you land that, and he's going to fall down. Guess what? He didn't. But to be fair, DJ, he his last fight, how did he win his last fight? He won his last Guillotine. fight. Exactly. Guillotine. Right? So Sorry. it's not like <laughs> it's not like it's a Jose Aldo situation where he's on the record saying he wants to box, and then he's literally showing that. He's showing that in, in an octagon where he's favoring the boxing. So – it is one data point, and it probably um, worries you a little bit. But if you just look at the last fight, the last fight was n- nothing like that, albeit it was a minute and 30 seconds. To but- be fair, to be fair, when most jiu-jitsu guys that, who have trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu for any length of time are taken down, they're going to go for that guillotine. And if you let them get the leg wrap, well, now they've got you wrapped up. Moreno was smart enough when he grabbed a hold of his head. He didn't let him get his legs wrapped yeah. around him. So he had nothing. And there was he like a weird, right out. There was like a weird thing with the cage, with how Figueredo was against the cage, where it didn't look like maybe if they were they, in they, the center they got, of the they cage. Went in, they kind of yeah. went into the cage, but, but he was not able to get his legs around him. Uh, yeah. He, uh, uh, there was no question that Moreno looked at tape and there were some very specific answer counter punches that he hit, some very specific answers to strikes, some very specific responses. Every time that Figueredo tried to explode, you saw Moreno respond with that clinch, which is supposed yeah. to make people not keep doing it. That yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that didn't work. I mean, and it's just a, the, go ahead, Nick. Sorry, the testament to Moreno's corner. I think his corner. I think put a bit more work into scouting out, figure out. And granted, these guys only had three weeks. So. That's more than enough time to look at tape and say, "This is what we're going to do." You, you still got nothing to do. First of all, there's nothing to do but go to the gym and sit in the hotel room. There's nothing to do. It's not which like is, he's going to go hang out yeah. with family in Vegas. Yeah, which is fine. 
but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I get your claims that you're that, that you're putting forth, and I think we we will know where those claims will be in the, in the rematch in the next fight. You know, it it does Figueroa does he have the ability to if in his camp do they have the ability to make adjustments? And granted, you know, obviously, you know, does Moreno can he make the adjustments to potentially you know swing the fight in his favor? I mean. He's got a lot to work with. He's had a lot of successes. Granted, he didn't win, but it was a draw. But he had a lot of successes to draw on that and expand on it. Given I got, you know the, I, the rematch. I, I got news for you. Um, what they're gonna uh, here's what they're gonna do because I know the Brazilian, I know I the know, Brazilian I know, mindset. I, I, I and I and what did they tell Barão when he lost to TJ? This ain't Nova and Yao. Oh man, this is just, man. I'll tell you what. If he didn't hit you with that one shot. In the first round, you would have been okay. And they went into the second fight, and TJ starched him, wor- finished him uh, worse than what he did in the first fight. And I worry for Figueroa, they're going to say, if you didn't, if if only you didn't have that food poisoning, you'd have got him. Or you only feel <laughs> right? well, kick him in the groin. Yeah. You, I, you exactly. Exactly. That's that. exactly right. That, that they're going to. I know. I, because these guys don't want to get fired. They don't want to say, hey, look, we got to remake. You know, we really need to work on your wrestling. We need to get you watching what your stance is when you explode. You lower your stance. You come up with your punches, you know, because if you stand straight up and you start winging punches like this, he got. T- he must have gotten taken down four times like that. Well, look at Jessica Andrade. You know, she fights out of Brazil, and I think she's made some great improvements from her life. I'm not. I'm, this is not an attack on the Brazilian culture. I'm. I'm attacking trends that we've seen. Like Will it. likes to it. say, we've seen data points of specific fight. We saw how he walked in there. He's like, you. You said it yourself. I'm cocky. I'm overconfident. I'm gonna get yeah, this guy out of here. Not to say he can't make those. Not, I didn't say he can't. I said I hope. I hope. I hope. Yeah, he but does. You, you said hope and a bunch of other things that would suggest that they're not going to make those adjustments, which I think that's still out in the air. We're, we'll find out in the rematch. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. All hey, right. Let's DJ's leave. probably just more hypothesizing. Definitely. I am. You're just hypothesizing. I'm oh, taking yeah, – I'm taking uh, – my brother Will taught me I'm taking <laughs> data points, trend trend analysis, and I've come, and I've come up with a hypothesis based on – those things that I hope I'm wrong about because I do want to see after we lost DJ, then we lost Henry um, to a fake retirement that he's going to be back from. Um, I I don't want to see another fi- – I want to see another fighter like hold on to that title and become a better fighter. What happened with Henry? I mean we're talking about a guy who missed weight cuts, a guy that Jussier took, uh, took went the distance with. To a guy who was finishing guy, like who it learned how to use his wrestling, you know, a guy that, that DJ finished with a kick to the stomach. I mean, that's what DJ finished Henry with the first time. To the second time, he beat him. And then he ran through everybody at 125 and 135. He became an exponentially better fighter. And to, to where he's now, like if he came back, Figueredo would stand no chance if Henry came back. I hate to tell everybody out there. I don't care how hard he hits. Henry will put him on his ass. I'm I'm here. I'll give you my PayPal account. I'll give you my Venmo. And we could have personal bets. 
if Henry came back, he would starch this guy. Not because he's not a great fighter, but because he would just take him down. And he'd just say, you're going to fight off your back. And the fact that Henry hits as hard as he does. So look what he did to Marlon Moraes. My goodness, man. Yeah, they're both bigger dudes. Oh, for that my big division. God, he got kicked. He got smashed in the legs. He got eaten alive in that first round. Came out and just one of the most amazing performances. Gotcha. So. But but he's he's retired, so we don't need to talk okay. about him. All right, let's go to Tony right? Ferguson yes. against Charles Oliveira because <laughs> oh, my man baby. Will got some work to do. So oh, I'm going to start with my brother, Willie Vanilli. So there are a couple different there are a couple different points with this fight. And so it's kind of funny, Nick, because you know, DJ will call us during the week and he's looking for he's looking for a little combo to get things <laughs> initiated. And then this is what he does to us. He goes, Oh, we gotta stop talking because we gotta save this for the for show. The show. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, Will's fired. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, I can't afford I can't I can't don't do that. That's, no, I know you need is, this money. You need this, this contract money. is know, so big, man. No, I know. Uh, but anyways, we when we when we did have our initial short conversation about this fight, there are a couple big points here. So one of the well, there's the fight itself and what happened during the fight, but the thing that we we're talking about kind of after that was, where does this leave Tony Ferguson? Right. So Tony Ferguson just got annihilated in. It's going to be UF his, UFC history the way he got annihilated standing up with Justin Gaethje. And then he just got annihilated on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? So now you're Tony Ferguson. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, I got beat so bad. So bad where people were wanting the fight to end. That's mm-hmm. how bad it was. And then he had no chance on the ground. And it's not to say that he's not a, a good grappler good jiu-jitsu guy because he is really good on the ground but Oliveira just dominated him on the ground so where does that leave him um, and we talked a little bit about he's been around for a little while he's not a new young pup coming up um, and is he damaged meaning is he physically damaged from that Gaethje fight um, is he mentally damaged now that the fact that he just got jacked up on the feet, and now he just got completely dominated on the ground. So where does that where does that leave him in the whole scheme of things? What does that do to him, what he thinks of himself as a fighter? Um, but, man, back to the fight, how good is Oliveira on the ground to be able to dominate um, Tony Ferguson like that? And that arm bar towards the end, and this is, I, I thought, I thought DC, I thought DC and Rogan did a really good job of describing this fight throughout. Um, and they highlighted, and they didn't go into, they didn't go to real detail, but this shows the savviness of Oliveira's. He didn't take that arm until there was a certain amount of time left before the round went in because he'd have to sacrifice position. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really good because he was just on top dominating, set that up really well with the right amount of time. And that's not easy to do against someone who's really good fighting from their back. Probably one of the best in the UFC fighting from their back. Well, he, um, I just want to interject real quick. He thought ahead. is it Because he was at, at Mount, he said, okay, I'm going to sit up. I'm going to throw strikes so that Tony will turn. He'll give me his back, and then I can go for the armbar. So they say correct. like a lot of black belts are three steps ahead of you. Uh, when you're rolling with him and you don't know it, that's what happened. Yeah. And so he takes the arm 
And then Tony Ferguson's like the same, same breed as Moreno. That dude is not going to give up, and yeah. he wasn't going to tap. And Oliveira made the right adjustments to that armbar, and it was just like that was a. I thought it was great, or not. That's a terrible word now. I thought that was really amazing toughness um, demonstrated by Ferguson, but the skill level by Oliveira was just ridiculous towards that end. And he just did more of the same. I mean, his transitions from mount to triangle to attempted arm bar. I mean, those are oh, so good, right? This, and, this, his passing just from the, the just to cut through the, through the guard and yeah. just his leg work, switching his legs, you know, manipulating his hips to smash Tony's hips to to solidify the mount and the positioning was oh gosh. ridiculous. It it's was, just like you have black belts. And then there's just different levels of black belts, right, in yeah. jujitsu. And then you just saw that in in you just saw that in UFC cage. Like this guy's next level BJJ with what he was doing to Ferguson. And albeit there's some background behind that, right, DJ, with what uh, Ferguson did with his coaches. Um, and yep, Eddie Bravo was not there. Yeah, but, so we I, we don't know who was there. I don't know who those guys yeah. are. But at the same time, just because his coaches are there doesn't mean his years of training and his ability leaves because his coaches are. Right. So we can't necessarily blame that, but that, that was just a ridiculous, ridiculous performance um, by Oliveira, I thought. Well, as I as I pass it over to Nick, I want to ask this question because there's no way we can take away and we shouldn't and nobody should take away what an amazing um, what 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 Charles Oliveira's evolution as a fighter has been from getting finished by so many guys and um, losing at the end of fights when, when he, you know, being fit, he was finished on the ground by Paul Felder a couple of fights ago. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. So Nick, what percentage would you assign to this as to the decline and, and people that like Cormier who had, you know, like when you listen to, uh, um, you know, I find myself, uh, at odds with Daniel Cormier. But Daniel Cormier describes that he was at odds with Tony. They had words at the event. And then after, it was amicable when they parted. But my question is, is he saying that this is all Charles Oliveira and had nothing to do with with Tony Ferguson? And to me, I'm seeing both things can be true. There's no question that Oliveira was amazing and he schooled Tony on the ground and he got a body lock takedown, et cetera, et cetera. But to start off with Nick, do you see this as being also a decline in Tony Ferguson pre Gaethje, or do you see this as 100% Charles Oliveira? And then we'll give it to Will I, after. I mean, it, it's it's hard not to recognize some of the decline in Tony Ferguson. Now, granted, I I sometimes refrain from uh, pointing out that a fighter has declined based on them losing and stuff like that. Like uh, a typical MMA fan would say, oh, well, their favorite fighter starts losing. They go, oh, they're just declining physically. And a lot of, a lot of that kind of gets thrown out just, just haphazardly. But I think in this case, there is a case to be said that, yeah, he's not, he doesn't seem like the same fighter that was there after the Gagey loss. And he, even he made an Instagram post, talks about like, his warm-up, he just didn't feel right. It just, you know, he kind of alluded to the fact that maybe the live audience, he kind of feeds off that, and it pumps him up, and having no audience there kind of just doesn't give him that energy that he needs to get it's hyped tough. up. It's tough. You can say that as a, it's tough. 
that everybody I mean, can say, say that, that about the bubble when when the Lakers won. But you know, you know what? You all I have mean, the yeah, same yeah, conditions yeah. of fighting. I'm I'm explaining what, what what his perspective is, not to say that it is true, but that's where he is coming from. And I'm not I'm not justifying that, but from a fan's perspective, uh, obviously from everyone else's perspective, from a young G's perspective, that, yeah, there is Sorry. some. <laughs> from a young G's perspective, yeah, there's definitely some decline there. And even if he honestly, even if it was the old Tony that was there, who knows if he would have beat this Oliveira that fought the way he did this past weekend? I mean, that's that's the question in itself as well. But yeah, Tony's definitely not the same fighter that he was prior to fighting Gagey and everything like that, or even after the Gagey fight. Yeah, he's just not the. Unfortunately, he's not the same guy. And I had an Instagram or Twitter post about saying that I, I did not want Father Time to kind of catch up to him and have him just get demolished. I'd rather have him see a competitive fight, him just being the old Tony that we're used to, and then win or lose, he's still there. Like, the old Tony's still there. Hey, if he wins, great. If he loses, hey, you know what? He lost to a better man. But it seemed like, yeah, it, that guy, that title contender, that – that 14 whatever fight win streak that guy that was supposed to beat Khabib he's not there anymore it's just well, over yeah one it's of the sad. things one of the things to consider too is how how long ago did he lose to Gaethje how what was that that was it was uh, six August, months August right yeah, yeah it was so, that long ago yeah I can I'll find out while you guys so, are talking I mean it's I mean it's within the year it's within a year. Oh, it's without less, question. Much less than a year. And so you look at that fight, and it was it was just bad to watch at the end. Bad to watch, meaning you wanted to end because he was getting ruined. And so you look at that, what it does to him physically. It's not the age decline, right, that we're talking about. It's he just got physically ruined. And DJ and I touched a little bit on this. Uh, before the show is about if you look at other sports like you'll just say college football for example if you get a concussion let's say they're playing a game someone gets hit and a player gets hit and they take them off the field right away and they assess them for a concussion and let's say they do have a concussion their tests say it's positive they're not going back into the into the game right not only they're not going back into the game they're not practicing the next week so and then if it happens again then or repeatedly they're retiring from college football they're never playing football again so you have to say to yourself that beating that he took against Gaethje how injured was he okay six months afterwards how injured is he and so that could that could explain yeah, 180, 180 days ago, right? So that could explain um, what we saw, what some people may see as physical decline or Oliveira's ability to dominate him so much on the ground. We don't know that. And I don't know the UFC, I don't know the UFC standards for concussions. I mean, do you know if there are standards for concussions? Um, the, the commissions are the ones who suspend, they call them suspensions. Uh, sometimes they're a suspension from sparring. Sometimes it's a suspension from fighting. The commissions will issue suspensions uh, after fights. However, uh, Will points out something interesting. The fight, I believe, was in Abu Dhabi. So that means that because there is no state commission 
like mm. like NSAC or CSAC or N, uh, New York uh, State Athletic Commission, New Jersey, uh, the UFC ends up becoming the commission at that point. And they rely on people like Mark Ratner and people like that. So, so yeah. here's the here's the other thing that happens too that's differently that you need to look at other sports to see how it's done. And then you look at the UFC and go, okay, um, this might explain some things, right? So if we take that same college football team and they're practicing, let's say the concussion happens in practice. Well, who do they have there to assess that? If it's a bad hit, obviously the player is going to be perturbed or altered in a way. So they'll come off the field, but they have a sport medicine staff. The trainer, that's, then the team doctor. Right. So if you're in, and DJ, you've been in training camps before. If you're in a training camp or just even in regular training, it doesn't have to be a camp for a fight and you sustain a concussion. What medically trained person is there besides someone who has a lot of experience, right? I don't even think a cut man would. No doesn't have the training that these sport medicine physicians have in say basketball or football or, you know, rugby, whatever it may be, who do they have there? So There's all nobody. of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden what you have here is you have many more concussions that are occurring that aren't being logged, right. That aren't being assessed. And so you, we don't know what happened in between after the Gaethje fight and things like that. Oh, so, uh, Tony was probably probably took a week off or ten days off, and he was probably back in the gym sparring because he's a month. He's an animal. I mean, we have so much regard for this guy. Yeah, I mean, this is what this. I think this is a going to be a big issue for fight sports. Is that there's being an animal, being tough, being resilient, but. That is, I, you, ha, I, you have to have that as a fighter, but at the same time, you have to do this in a medically intelligent way. So for example, if he was assessed by, let's say, an American football sports medicine staff that said, dude, this guy, this guy can't like walk and do like a secondary task the same way that he did before. He shouldn't be fighting again, or not fighting again, but he shouldn't be fighting this soon. Right? Do they have that? And so, if you're going to think don't. of the sport as something so. as professional and elite level, you have to have these sorts of things, right? To prevent the culture of machismo, the culture of being a warrior, and those sorts of things. Because if you're going to be play professional sports at the highest level and you want to maximize dollar value and length of career, that type of thinking is appropriate for the fighter to have but the team can't think like that yeah and i want to go to i'm just typing this out to you guys uh but so basically what i want to talk about now that that we've seen that because basically what will talked about on the phone very eloquently was that these guys are hurt they're compromised they're not being monitored and that there's no way that, that basically what Will said is this guy should take taking a year off. We had thought it, I thought it was like 90 days. I said, what if it was like six months, Will? And he's like, I mean, he should probably be taking a year off of, of fighting after that, the kind of beating that he took from Gaethje. And that I think, and he didn't do that. He wanted to go back in there and show his medal because the guy I mean, Khabib respects this guy <laughs> because of how tough he is. 
And Khabib has a limited amount of give a shit and respect for a lot of guys in fighting because of the way that he feels the toughness that they don't have in the way they approach things. I, I, I'm sure if, you know, what Khabib thinks about Yair Rodriguez, he wouldn't want to know uh, <laughs> after ducking out of multiple fights. But what I want to talk about now that we've addressed that Tony clearly is compromised. There's no question that we can't take anything away from the brilliant performance and the unquestioned evolution of Charles Oliveira's game. The way that he can take punches, the way that he couldn't, the way he used to avoid, uh, he used to avoid punches. Couldn't, didn't, couldn't get in a firefight, and they showed highlights of him taking punches on the, in the chin and walking people down because he doesn't have great head movement. You know, he's not a great defensive fighter. He really doesn't have that ability. He's trying to get close to you to clinch with you. That's what he wants to do. Um, so all that said, there's no question he's fighting a Tony that is not the Tony that fought Rafael Dos Anjos in, Me in Mexico City, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all that said, what I want to talk about is, uh, you guys can correct me because you guys watch the whole thing. He was body locked and taken down by Oliveira. Was that a shot? Because what I want to talk about is I want to address Tony's aversion to the sport of wrestling. Now, he's not a scrub backup JV as a senior in high school wrestler like me. This is a guy who wrestled conceivably four years in college. He has the USA wrestling uh, tattoo that is standard among a lot of our fighters in the UFC uh, that wrestled in college on his calf. And yet he was taken down again <laughs> by, by a BJJ guy. So, Nick, I'd like you to start there. And what is Tony's aversion to using wrestling in an MMA contest? I mean, it just doesn't fit his criteria of doing Tony things to his opponents anymore. <laughs> that's unfortunately. That's, I mean, yes. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you look at his fight years ago that's against right. uh, Danny Castillo. Danny Castillo took him down like like all the time. And honestly, I see a lot of parallels between those two fights because, yeah, he's got a great guard and. You know, he's unorthodox. He's real flexible. He's got the Eddie Bravo, you know, 10th Planet thing going on. Mm -hmm. Great ground game and everything like that. But, yeah, I just saw, I mean, Danny Castillo controlled him in that fight, too, to be honest. And then I think Tony won just by a split decision. It was close. It was a close fight. Danny but had no choice. Danny Castillo controlled him <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Danny had yeah, absolutely no choice. Yeah, but yeah, Danny had no choice. But mm -hmm. he was controlled years ago by a guy who's not even in the UFC anymore. So, no, but I mean, is, Dan, Dan, Danny's a good price. wrestler. Danny's a good wrestler. So I, I, I can't fault a guy who maybe be, was taken down by a better wrestler than him. And I don't remember where Danny right, wrestled, right. but Danny's, Danny's good. I'm talking He's about being wrestler. taken yeah, down yeah. by a, and he had no choice. I mean, he was Danny's not stupid. He's like, this is the only way I can stay in here because this guy's gonna cut me up with elbows. Yeah. That's when Tony was extremely violent. Yeah. Josh Thompson will tell you. I am not the same fighter after fighting Tony Ferguson. Now, Josh yeah, Thompson yeah, is yeah. full of uh, piss and vinegar. He is full of himself. Uh, he and, and he will tell you, I'm not the same fighter after I fought Tony. That's what Tony did to people. Now, um, he got taken down by a BJJ guy. That's what I'm talking about here. Why is he not prepared this is what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that 
there aren't guys that even the BJJ guys that could take down wrestler guys. That's happened. But what I'm talking about is yeah, but he's not prepared to wrestle. Yeah, he's not. No, he wasn't. I mean, I think Tony right. doing I mean, Tony I think, things. I think the wrestling, Tony doing Tony things, and Tony things are, you know, striking elbows, dart strokes, Imanari rolls. Tony things right now are are at least the last couple of years probably haven't been sprawling, <laughs> double legs, single leg. You know, any any kind of offensive defensive wrestling, I don't think is really his thing. And maybe maybe he didn't think that Oliver was going to take him down, or he could have. You know, I don't think he realized that. I don't think this guy can take me down. Did he have a Josh Koscheck a Josh Koscheck moment? Maybe he had a Josh Koscheck moment where it's just like, nah, man, like my. My ground game is probably better than his, if, equal if not better than his, and my well, striking is going to be better. Well, so no, what Koscheck said, I don't need to work on wrestling because he can't take Saint Pierre can't take me down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but for Tony, it was like the the exact same thing. It's like I don't think this guy's going to be able to take me down. Whatever. And if I do, if he does take me down, I got jujitsu. I'm going to do Tony things, so it's all good. And obviously, that didn't work. <laughs> But he has been controlling the ground before, and just seeing all their chip control him like that, I'm like, geez, it reminded me of Danny Castillo fight, but worse because, whoo, because Danny Castillo did not have the BJJ that. Uh, no, but Danny Oliveira was a, Danny is a Danny was but a good wrestler, a and he will, he wrestled everybody that he fought in the UFC. Definitely, Willie. What, what happened, that, man? One of the things that frequently comes up that we talk about consistently, and we talked about it in the Figueredo fight, was this lack of whether it be looking at video and making really good decisions about your opponent based off what you see from video and then executing either developing a strategy, right? That's one thing looking at video and developing a strategy, right? You're either doing that or not, or you're looking at video, making a good strategy, looking at video, making a poor strategy. So either way, there's either a good strategy or poor strategy that you're bringing into the fight. The second thing is, whether you're able to execute that good or poor strategy. And that comes up consistently uh, with these fights that we talk about. And um, I just wonder, you, you just look at other, you look at other sports and how diligent they are with looking at video of opponents and creating game plans, right? I'll bring up American football once again is, Coaches have specific days where they're looking at video, developing game plans, um, introducing the game plans within parts of the week and developing those game plans over the week, right? That's consistent. That's part of, of, of their, their methodical approach, right? It's their formula. And I've never been in one of these camps, so I have no idea what's going on, but because we always talk about this and because there's like such a lack by us as amateurs viewing it, right? If we could see it, you got to be able to see, it has to be readily apparent at the highest level. It just doesn't seem like it's something that it's, they're either not doing it or they're not doing it well, or they're doing it well and it's just being executed poorly, but it's a consistent theme that comes up. Yeah. And you know, uh, like, uh, you know, Josh Thompson, he talked earlier about, uh, yeah, if, if you know, I, I think a lot of the camps will placate the fighters. They're going to tell the fighter what they want to hear because they don't want to be excommunicated from the fighter's church. 
So Josh Thompson said when uh, a, a, one of the corners threw in the towel, the referee came over. Can you see this and that? And the corner said, oh, I yeah, think it was, was one the, of the female uh, fights, right? Torres fight. Tor Torres yeah, fight. The, uh, Torres's opponent. There was no reason. Yeah. To, and John McCarthy's like, there's no reason to send her back out there. Like, this fight's over. And and so John agreed with the corner saying, you know what? That's enough. We're good. You know, that's it. And Josh goes, oh, I don't know if 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 if, uh, if that if a corner did that to me, I'm telling you, that's it. After the fight, you know, you're out. Am I? I'll be. Like, you know what, Josh? I'm I'm totally cool with that, man. I don't give a shit if you fire me. I am here to to. Uh, we trained you. We trained with you. I'm here, but but if I throw in the towel, it's because I think your safety is at risk, and we're gonna go back. We're gonna work on what's messed up and come back and fight another day. That's what this is about. It's not about seeing if you could do like Priscilla Cachoeira against uh, against uh, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, right? So yeah, I don't think Josh's point was this more of an ego thing. It was like, well, she, they never consulted. Like, can she go on? They just made that decision for her. So it was. And he more said, like, I he would, I would throw her. you out of the camp. Yeah, he's like, he kind of felt butthurt. Okay. Like, well, if I were the fighter, and at least give me the option, and if I say yeah, and he still say no, then that's fine. At least I want to be included. It's just like, uh. No, Given I'm, the situation, it's like dude. you're getting lit up. And then um, John McCarthy even said, well, what did she do in that round? What did she do in that first round? Nothing. What did you see? He's just like, you know, and he's like, right. yeah. Like, right. Nothing. Like, it wasn't no. going to get better. Like, you, she couldn't you, see. So let's just cut her losses here. And Yeah, I have to protect the fighter. This is not Star Trek, uh, Spock versus Kirk. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is like. And even even Dr. McCoy came in and gave a sedative to Mr. Spock so he couldn't continue fighting because he was beating the shit out of Kirk. So anyway, <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's let's move right along, guys. Uh, we're gonna do potential UFC cuts. This was brought up, I thought, very very brazenly by my friends at MMA Fighting, Mike Heck. They brought up some brilliant fights. At first, I thought it was really brilliant. Uh, just just talking uh, uh, matches to make when they said, "Oh, one of them, Alex K. Lee said, well, you could take uh, Mackenzie and put her up against Tisha Torres.'" And I go, "Oh, wow, that would be or Michelle Waterson," and I was like, "That would be really interesting, super interesting to see uh, Mackenzie against that." And then and then the Trump card was pulled by Mike Heck, who said, "No, you take." Uh, you take Mackenzie Dern, you put up against Claudia Gedalia, who likes to talk some trash. You know that would be insane. That would. That's when we'd get you into. Would love the, to see that, uh, DJ. How would you? Oh, how would you the see accent that fight going, DJ. I mean, I don't. It depends on how good Cla if Claudia is able to stay uh, on her feet. I would say she probably would outpoint her, but uh, it would come down to the wrestling. And I would say Claudia is a better wrestler. Then Mackenzie Dern, and there is absolutely stronger no. Stronger too. Uh, what? Yeah, I mean Mackenzie looks a lot stronger now. You notice her body is totally transformed from this sort of curvy, uh, voluptuous girl to this sort of muscular, more looking fighter girl, and she has more. She's more well equipped physically for this sport than she was when she was missing weight by five pounds or whatever the hell, seven pounds, whatever it was, uh, in her earlier fight. So uh, Mackenzie Dern is is uh, looking more physical. But, look, yeah. but yeah, I would give it to, to Claudia. 
uh, because Claudia is a little bit better wrestler, and I'm going to assume that um, she will be prepared to. Claudia will say to herself, under no circumstance do I want to put myself in a position to have this girl on top of me on the ground because Claudia is extremely confident in her jiu-jitsu, but like a lot of people, I, you know, she would not trust herself off her back, I don't think, with someone at that level on top. I mean, that would be that would be a very scary situation, I would say, for most any girl in the UFC. Would you say that she would go, if she got on top, would she stay on top? Or would she disengage from? Um, I would. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure Claudia's ego would would let her probably not stand right back up. She would want to see what she feels. I think if they had a situation where she was on top, she would feel it, and she would assess it and and make a decision of whether or not she was going to stand her up. First of all, once you're down there, um, you're not getting up. Um, you're not gonna necessarily going to be able to get up because she's going to keep you on top of her because she wants to work it's not like she's going to be trying to put her foot on your hips and kick you away right no, she's going to be yeah i mean how many fights like she's going to be you know inverting going underneath you absolutely kind of... yeah how many fighters have you seen that are that are in half guard they have an overhook and then they'll get their feet on the hips release that overhook and, you know, push that person away or frame up and stand up. Sure, technical stand up, this kind of thing. You're not going to – Mackenzie Dern's not going to do that. So if you try to get up, <laughs> you know, you have to be – you just have to be very careful and yeah, try okay. to just land a couple strikes. So that will be fascinating, and I don't. I have no idea if it's going to happen, but I just want to say brilliant work by Mike Heck and Alex K. Lee. Um, but I they did throw that out there about Junior being cut. They did throw that at there about Tony being cut. I say there's no way Tony is cut. Will. Why would you do that? I think there's still I've, that that weight class. There's still tournament-style matches that can go on that's going to make it really fun to watch. Even if it's absolutely, a, man. Even if it's a non-pay-per-view, right? You could save it for a fight night, and that would be really good for a fight night because that division is so deep. If 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 you think he's towards the middle of it so i don't i don't i don't i wouldn't go i don't absolutely that. not there's a dan hooker fight there there's a paul felder fight yeah. there there's just there's way too many fights you got there. rda back in that division absolutely man there's a gregor gillespie that's yeah. you know back there there's plenty of guys so i i don't see that happening but i see junior getting cut they named a couple other people so forgive me that i didn't i didn't write down those names but basically what they're saying is anybody who has a high salary uh in the ufc they're going to be out of there and and it's, is, it's sad but are they willing to pay tony his money though well what will he... what will just said um if i said oh i could do let's see the pandemic you know we're within a few months so i can wait five months from now and i could do tony in dan and dan hooker in queensland I could do Paul Felder versus Tony in Philadelphia. Let's say this: like they probably they would probably prefer Hooker to be a contender than Tony because they know absolutely how far Tony could get Abs to. So absolutely, why, why risk Dan Hooker potentially losing to a guy like Tony and then just kind of having him just kind of go because, down the ladder? Oh, because they don't think he will. I, I think no pun intended, will. But I think what <laughs> I think what we're saying is 
these are guys they think that first of all they they absolutely love Paul Felder and because he's he works for the promotion he will get fights in perpetuity unless he gets starts he, first of all he's never lost badly in his entire career he yeah. loses these very wow. close fights so they love Paul Felder and they would love to throw him in there because they don't care about Tony they don't like Tony he said things that pisses Dana off he yeah, doesn't have a good lot. relationship with the promotion, so they would certainly use Tony to put over name a lightweight that's a top ten, and they would love to see that guy beat the shit out of Tony. Like I said, Dan Hooker in Queensland, right? Or it's Auckland, or Auckland. Oh my God, yeah. they would love they would love that. Islam Makachev is perfect. Oh could yeah, be, that would be a good one. Oh my God, yeah. Um, you could do RDA Tony too. You yeah, could do Fe- you could do a Philadelphia Felder. Philadelphia card with uh, with Tony. Yeah. And, you know, there's still, so many things you could do. You could still use Tony to, to do some good events, and then a hundred percent. Yeah, because he still has he's a big he's a big name. Yes. He's not completely out yet, so you could they could use that to their advantage. He's always gonna take a fight. He's he's not gonna like based on his Instagram post. You like, said it. Yeah. You, oh, you mean he's not he gonna do it. like a Yaya Rodriguez? Ah, I'm not ready for. Paul Felder, yeah. He was just like, hey, like that, that Instagram post I, I referenced before, it's just, oh, yeah, I didn't really feel like the warm-up was, you know, I didn't feel great in the warm-up. Something was off, but he's it's like, crap. Out. He's like crap. mark my words, I'm going to fix all this, and, mm-hmm. man, I'm going to, he's like, yeah, I'm never going to, you, you know, can't, you, again. you can't yada, fix yada, it. Yada. You can't fix it if you don't know what's wrong and the people on your team are not telling you what's wrong. So there's, you you can't fix something that you don't know is a problem. So like they say, the first step to a, to to fixing a problem that you have, like alcoholism or some sort of an addiction, is understanding that there is a problem and that you can't just go out. And you said it perfectly, Will. You can't, the days of you going out and just doing Tony things, those days are over. Yeah, he just he's got to be more gotta have more of a game plan than just and you you bring up a good point (laughs) you bring up a good point tony is the relationship with the organization and even dana white is it doesn't need to be so good when you're at the top but when you're on the on when you're going down then it needs to because then you need a little help from them and i just look at he's just so uh, ferguson is so awkward socially just so awkward i wonder if there's like there's something like if he has just a social behavioral disorder of some sort similar mental health issues oh does he that may that might explain it the other one that's super awkward too is Cejudo. like he's he's a he's higher functioning than ferguson but extremely (laughs) awkward it's like you look at cringe man yeah i think at one point there was this i think i i sent this uh video to you guys but it was uh it was Khabib. It was Cejudo. Kayla Harrison. Some, oh, yeah. yeah Kayla yeah, Harrison, yeah. some other fighters. Mm-hmm. And They're talking he, smack about the gold medal or whatever. They were talking about who the greatest of all time or some, who's the best or something like that. And then um, the suit who was just like all up in Khabib's grill about like him being the best. And he's like holding up his Olympic blah, blah, blah. And um, with saying, Khabib? I thought he was, no, like it was arguing with Kayla Harrison. No, it was who was the greatest pound for pound because of, yeah because of the olympic gold medal and that, yeah, that and they I both like, were i was like you can bring up your wrestling right fine but that's like someone bringing up i'm the karate gold medalist 
Um, it's Taekwondo a, gold medals. Yeah, it's a single discipline, and you're talking about the greatest fighter of all time. And you got that. You got to assess that within a mixed martial arts context. You know what? You could say I, that Suhuda would be one of the greatest fighters of all time. He, he would, but Anthony. I don't want to waste airtime talking about Henry's rants. I, I will. <laughs> I will talk about uh, the fact that yeah, he is one of the greatest fighters all of all time. He's proved that. But yeah, as far as his stupidity and the things that he says, Tony is very Tony, to to kind of crystallize what Will said. Tony's one of those guys that I wouldn't want to go to a bar and have a beer with because you would, like you said, you would feel kind of awkward having conversation yeah. with him. I would probably want to go to a bar and have a beer with RDA and talk about him growing up in Brazil. And Tony's yeah. just like way too intense. And there was, be like, you know, there was some really subtle behavioral things within the Oliveira fight. Uh, Tony doesn't like to high five when the bell rings to mm -hmm. start around. Right. He doesn't like to do that. And he didn't do it. And Oliveira was trying to do it. But you could see as the rounds went on, it was almost like Ferguson said the respect for him grew. He's like, oh, my, this guy's kicking the crack out of me. Okay, kicking the crap out of me. Okay, I'm going to high five him now. So he, I think it took him to like the third or fourth round. And Oliveira kept on going out there doing it. And maybe it was like the third or fourth round. And then Ferguson finally relents and high fives him before the start of the round. But it's just stuff like that. It was like the guy is – just so awkward so he's very intense he's very intense yeah yeah and it comes off really poorly but that stuff matters with what we're saying right how that organization and dana white is going to use him for their benefit without any regard to him no no they don't that they don't he is he has sparred with dana before and that's easy to do when you're the number one guy or when you're the champion but tony is not in a in a bargaining position and now they're just going to use him to put over everybody that they want to put over so all right moving right along on life mma and bjj we have a new segment this week called nerd word of the week so oh, i don't I have heard I, about this i don't have my drum roll and i don't have thank my goodness. sound effects thank um, goodness <laughs> I, yeah because there's something wrong with my i would have had a drum roll for that but there's something wrong with our our system i got a contact software company but um so nerd word of the week i heard this word used and before i tell you i heard it on television and i heard it on a sports-based show i'm not going to tell you right away where i heard it but i will tell you and will will be surprised and Nick will probably go, oh, who's that? Oh, yeah, I kind of know who that guy is. So, <laughs> Nick, try not to look so bored. Sit up straight. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Gosh. All right. So, nerd word of the week. And I want to find out if either one of you gentlemen has ever used this word in, in a sentence. And the word is, Will, can you give me a drum roll? Can you? No. Crestfallen. Rest fallen? Yes. Never use that word. Crest <laughs> fallen is the word. Crest fallen is the word. Can, word. can you spell it and can I get it in a sentence, please? Uh, okay. The the uh, definition of crest fallen. Do I even? I don't Only mean... Nick got that. It went right over DJ's head. But Nick no, got that. no, it didn't. No, this is like a spelling bee. It's it's like the national spelling bee. Um, after D and D, will went and did a spelling bee. But anyway, the scripts. Spelling me. No, what, um, crestfallen, you know, I better look this up, but it's when like you're really sad or upset about something. 
Let me see. Oh, that makes sense. Fallen. Okay, Crestfallen is sad and disappointed. I did pretty good. Uh, he came back empty-handed and crestfallen. The origin Who said is it? La late 16th century with reference to a mammal or bird having fallen or dropping crest. Who said it? Uh, I don't. It doesn't say that. No, no, no. Who said? Like you said, you heard it on a. Oh, so it was said on. Um, uh, I heard this on NFL primetime with Chris Berman said it, and I go, "Wow!" I heard oh, Chris I Berman say the word crestfallen and i said man that would be a great word we could do like a nerd word of the week because i've never used that word in a sentence will have That's have cool you ever word. it's a very cool word I've, have you I, i've never used that word but i could see it's a component of his shtick how he would say it okay so yeah. what we have to do for will and nick you haven't used it either right i have not I've Okay, so Will, when school, you, <laughs> I know I'm going to use it next week. Will, when school starts up, if you can wander into the literary department where some of your English co uh, uh, well, major professors are just, and see if any of them have used it. I could just, I'll just, I'll just ask after we get off. I'll ask my wife who has a PhD in English from UC Irvine. Yes, do that well, no, for no. me. Yeah, PhD from UC Irvine and master's from University of Chicago. I hope you I know where your wife her. went to school or we're, we've got big issues. No, I was getting them okay. confused like okay. at first because – Master's in – I was like, I can't remember. I was like, was it University of Chicago PhD or UCI PhD? But either way, master's University of Chicago, UC Irvine. But still, English majors oh, 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 and oh, liter – Oh, my gosh. You have a cramp? Oh, my hamstring is cramping like crazy. Oh, no. oh I'm so sorry, oh, Will. Goodness. I know oh, how – friend was an okay. uh, English major. Oh. So I'll I ask him. Oh. I know how badly that hurts. All right. I'll ask him. Uh, so, guys, live on the show on Life MMA and BJJ, we're having a real-life medical incident oh. uh, where Will is probably From making the doctor. a – Will oh, – the doctor himself is making a fist, and now he is sitting on it, so it just digs into his hamstring. <laughs> Oh my so, goodness! All right, all right. That's second, better. That's better. second word. Now Nick and I will bet ten dollars on this. Are you ready, Will? Or right, Nick? Okay, yes, I'm ready. Ha and Will, don't say anything. Nick has Will or has Will not used this word within the last six months? And the word is bifurcated. And I'm willing to take any construction of that word. Bifurcate, you know, bifurcated, etc. Yeah, for ten dollars. Uh, for ten dollars. Yeah. $10. Oh man, you're no fun. It's going the same way as me. I say that Will has used that word. I'll tell you what. Let's we'll make it interesting. Ninety days. The last three months has Will used that word. Yes. Damn. All right. I guess it. Will, what's the answer? Yes, we were using it. Um, I had some I had some research colleagues uh, where we have some ongoing research with, and we're discussing some data that we're going to write a paper for. We actually think it's going to be a very impactful paper in the field of motor control and biomechanics. But when we're talking about the data, we uh, we're talking about splitting the data in a couple different ways and we use bifurcate to dis describe it i love it i love it i love it so all right so we can't so nick and i we had no bet because we both 
uh, made the Agreed. same assertion. So that was we'll, an easy one for you guys. It, 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 yeah, I was it was like, yeah, please use that word. It was, I know, man. So we're gonna. So next week we will have another word. Perhaps we'll do another two. We'll find out if any one of us has used that word, and then we'll go directly to Will and find out if that second word, if Will has used that word in a period of time to be decided later. Okay, oh, geez, Louise. This so, is like uh, this is like make fun of the ner- the nerdiest guy in the group, right? Not at all. You are not the you. I you are not the which, nerdiest. Which is totally fine because as we tell the kids, not only our kids but other kids, the nerds rule the world. That's right, and and knowledge is power, and you yep. certainly have more knowledge than probably Nick and I put together. Yeah. Um, so. Nope. Cool. So next week, uh, Nick, we, uh, you can choose words. I can choose words, but we need two words. One of them, have any of us ever used this obscure word? And has the doctor used this word within a set period of time? We'll make a bet, and then the doctor will tell us if I'm going to be sending you a Venmo or not. Okay? Jeez. Oh, All right. Hilarious. All right, guys. All right, so uh, thank you very much, uh, everybody for joining us on life mma and bjj we're going to have a new logo hopefully our software will work next week or i might try to find the company and hurt somebody over there uh (laughs) what happened to self-defense now it's self-offense i have the the unabomber right here is my co-host i have the japanese ted kaczynski at my disposal should i need to employ employ him so it's kind of like sending James Bond out, man. Know. You know, this show, he's our James Bond. You give, so. a, you, you give a ninja a bomb. Oh, my goodness. Sneaking anywhere. Me, man. Bushes, man. Scared. Pull that hood like way far over your head. Dude, uh, so when, whenever, I hear, whenever I hear the word bomb, I don't know if you guys do this too, mm-hmm. but you think of uh, – uh, what's – gosh, what's his name? Um Bomb, 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 bomb. Ben Still, yeah, 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 Ben Still. I'd meet the parents. Yeah, you guys do that same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh, he's on the plane. Like, can't say bomb here. Who are you talking about, bomb? Every time I hear the word bomb, I think of that scene. I do too. Actually, bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah, I have seen that movie, and I did think it was funny. But, uh, you know, I don't watch the Adam Sandler movies, and I really don't watch, like, the Ben Still. That whole genre of movies, I really don't watch very much. So. Oh, Select man. Adam that, Sandler. That's... Select ones are... Have you are, seen are... Uncut Gems? No. Yeah, that was... I saw that, and I was... With Adam Sandler? It's, it's a stressful... Like a... It's good. Stressful movie. It's a very it's... serious movie for me. You feel like you're you're sitting on a dirty sidewalk. The That's whole the time, feeling, like the uh, whole while time, people are yeah. chasing you, it's like I've, I was stressed. I was stressed yeah. watching that whole movie. I, I wanted, and then I, I wanted to watch the movie to be to relax. You know, you watch movies to relax. Oh yeah, no, no, no. And I didn't realize this movie was just like, ooh, it's just high tension the whole time. Yeah, I, mean, I felt dirty too for time. some reason. Like I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. plays a shitty character. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm but he sir, does a good uh, job in it. You know, my viewing habits would would it's a good movie, DJ. Identify me as the biggest nerd in this group, watching stuff like Downton Abbey and you know. Oh, stuff I on, love Downton Abbey, yeah, masterpiece classic. Like I watched. Yes, that kind of and shit then there. um, there's a there's a newer one with uh, Ari from Entourage. Let me. I can't remember what is he where he owns a hotel back in the day, but it's the same as the PBS PBS Network show. Um, Mr. Selfridge, or I think it's called Selfridge. Oh, 
Really good. Yes. Uh, I've seen that one. That one was – yes, yes. That's really good. There's yeah. a, They've actually had a couple of shows uh, where guys were – I think it was one of the guys from um, – what was that show, Game of Thrones? One of those guys on there actually uh, owned a show. I think it was called uh, – I can't remember. It was another Masterpiece Classic that it didn't have a long run. Mr. Selfridge went – because that place is still open in London, by the way. Um, but this had a shorter run, but I thought Kati and I really, really liked it. So I'll send you that one when I find it, Will. Uh, yeah, they do a good job with the Masterpiece series. I there's, love a, I love there's a little formula with uh, like desire, like these interchanging romances within the characters and character plots and things like that that kind of gets like, all right, you're just like using it over and over. But you can right. find there's some gems out there that don't do that a whole ton. Like Downton Abbey doesn't necessarily do that. Poldark. Doesn't necessarily do it. Poldark. Poldark does that like crazy. It drives me drives me nuts. Yeah, but he's a compelling character. You know, former former revolutionary soldier. And okay, yeah. all right, you didn't like you didn't like Poldark. Uh, let me see if there's one other. Um, oh, this one I guarantee Nick will like and will like. And if you don't like it, I will I will just get down into the get get in the spider position and I'll let you guys armbar me until my elbow almost pops. Okay, so you could do one of you have right arm, one of you have the left arm, and it's the Last Kingdom on Netflix. Oh yeah, if oh, you don't, good. that's really yeah, good. That's good. If you don't like the Last Kingdom, I will get in the spider position and Hold I'll. Hold on, is that the MMA one? Uchi. No, the, the Last no. Kingdom is the about. One? No, it yes and no. Uh, essentially, really quickly, it's about uh, the real life century, a uh, ninth century King Alfred, who was the last kingdom that the the Viking, the Danes, and the Norsemen hadn't taken. They taken over all of England, Northumbria, East Anglia, Mercia, all the different kingdoms, but they could not get Alfred out of there. And this story, basically, they took another figure from British history named Uhtred of Bebenberg, and they inserted him into this time frame. And he was born as a, um, as the story as goes, Dane. he was born as a Saxon. He was captured by the Danes, raised by them. And oh, then yeah, yeah. when his father, his Danish father was killed, he had to escape and go back to the British again. He wasn't safe. And they used him to find out all the tactics, techniques of warfare so that they wouldn't lose every single battle to the Danes. And he got them. He was the most brilliant tactician and strategist you could imagine. Really. And they treat him terribly considering Poorly. they would have been done. Done. They would have been done without him. Several times over. So watch yeah. The Last Kingdom. Uh it is a guarantee. It's one of the most popular shows on Netflix. It's a guaranteed. I, I'm gonna. There's I'm like actually four watching shows it again. Similar name. There's like a Korean, I think, show called Kingdom. It's like a yeah. zombie. That's supposed to be good. Like and there's a fighting kinda. one, right? Yeah, and there's the fighting one, which I heard was actually pretty decent. This is this is gonna be. I mean, this guy is just so brilliant in this role. I've read the books, so when you read, the, oh, okay. just to give so you're you an like example. A super nerd. No, I, I read the book like when when <laughs> you when you when you I haven't read all the books. Bernard Cornwell still writing. Uh, he, he just released one. But and there's something like 13 books. But what I want to tell you is that 
the the net the writers that Netflix hired to do the show, I think they bought it from BBC, are better than Bernard Cornwell's version of the the story. Oh, he, nice. It's usually the other way. It's usually the other way. The books are better. It's yeah. usually the books are better. It's not. I've read the books. I've read I don't know how many six or seven of these books, and and they have crafted the Uhtred that I see, and they've made a better story than Bernard Cornwell's story, in my opinion. So watch it. It is cast beautifully with actors that you're not going to go, oh, I've seen this person in 25 different things. So it's really good. Okay? <laughs> All right. We got to get out of here. We're going to be back that. with a new logo. Uh, we have a new name. Uh, we are not... Though we're very MMA heavy in this, and we will be MMA heavy when we want to be, and we won't be when we don't want to be, because uh, we're going to, you know, we had the best conversation that we've ever had as a group about reality television today, uh, with interesting takes (laughs) from guys that don't even watch it. You thought that was good, DJ? I did. I did. Oh, okay. Because it's more interesting in a way that you're... Um, you're not steeped in it, but you could give a take on it, and you you ask questions and learn some things. Yeah, Will right now looks like he's he's doing an inside heel hook. It's terrible. He's <laughs> ripping somebody's Achilles tendon apart right now as we speak. But um, we will talk about. We're gonna have hopefully next week if Will can spare the six o'clock hour. We'll have on Sunny Ali, uh, Annie Carpenter, teacher trainer. Uh, well over a thousand hours of yoga, um, of formalized yoga training. He's a brilliant yogi. Will's actually met him. Uh, and I would like to have him on just to talk about, entertain anything that we want to talk about yoga and what's valuable about it and why we should even bother with it. So does that sound good, guys? Somebody Let's speak up! Let's do it in the All famous right. words of Tone Loke. Oh, Tone Loke. Give it up for Tone Loke, who also was in heat with uh, with Al Pacino where they met at the restaurant. Correct. He said, I'll meet you at BJ's on Alvarado at midnight. Be there. <laughs> Henry <laughs> Rollins was in that movie. Henry Rollins was in there. That was my Al Pacino. He goes, don't waste my motherfucking time. Yeah, that was a Remember? good one. <laughs> what? What at what point in his career did he pick up the yelling technique? It was I, uh, scent of a woman. Scent of oh, a woman it? is when he started screaming every single line in a movie. Got it. I I I don't like it. Some people kind of make fun of it. I I think it's well done. Well, it's it's it. com- it's it's uh it's uh it's comical now. It's like uh it's 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 very comical because now yeah. like uh, he's a caricature now. Yeah. It's a, because he went from Michael Corleone to hoo I'll tell you what. I hear she's got a – he's like, he's like, you were banging Chris's wife. He goes, no, I wasn't. He goes, I heard she's got a great ass. <laughs> so, and you had your that's head pretty, all up in it. <laughs> that's pretty good, DJ. I thought that I was, I was watching. A lot of practice, man. I, you guys said I'm good at impressions. I mean, I've been working for 50 years on this. So oh, anyway – that's not so good then, DJ. You need to... <laughs> All right, guys. So you guys get it. We're going to be talking about anything and everything, but we promise we'll entertain you while we're entertaining ourselves. So Thanks for Funkarama. Funkarama. 
Yeah, I'll put it on. <laughs> no, I'll add in music afterward because uh, it's already 11.11 p.m. here in the Central Time. So, Will, any last words, Doctor? No, that was... No. <laughs> Nick. The uh, Ted Kaczynski. talk about Kevin Holland. Or Kevin Holland. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about Kevin Holland. But uh, he could be a quick- star. Yeah, because that was the other guy. I'm so glad you said that. He's going to be a star. God, if God, if God willing, he'll fight Kamzat Shemaev. That would be beautiful, and uh, apparently um, live long and prosper. No, no, I do have last uh, some last words. After our discussion of reality TV shows, I am crestfallen. <laughs> you feel dumber. Oh. This is oh where the sh- that is when the show must bifurcate. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> All right, extra credit for Will. Um, this is that son of a bitch that had to get more than a four He got a four point two <laughs> for in his GPA for tonight. So for Will Wu and for Nick Cazzoni, it's DJ San Marcos saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road. Fuckarama.